This is Mitch Peterson, and you're listening to General Conference Applied. Thank you for joining me for Season 2, Episode 2. In this episode, we will be discussing President Dallin H. Oaks's October 2023 General Conference Address, which was entitled Kingdoms of Glory. First, before we dive into this talk, I wanted to provide a couple of updates. Some of you may have noticed that I've changed my website. So as you've probably been hearing, I've, I've been utilizing the website raddadpad.com for a couple of years now. I've tra- I'm transitioning away from that. So now the URL is mitchellryanpeterson.com. And if, if you were to go to mitchellryanpeterson.com right now, it'd look just like raddadpad. I, I've just transitioned URLs, but that's, so that's an update. Additionally, I decided to break out my talk outlines from my podcast show notes. So those of you who click on the link in the podcast episode that takes you to the show notes, you may have noticed that I provide a talk outline where I I go through the talk and I identify invitations, directives, questions for reflection, principles, doctrines, what I identified to be the most important quote, powerful stories, uh, the best footnote, etc. Well, what I've done is I've created a section on my website. It's a general conference section. And then I'll be providing the talk outlines for each of these talks. And and there will be links and, and there will be a link to the relevant talk outline in the relevant podcast show notes. So anyway, it'll make more sense if you were to go to my website and kind of see what I've done there, but just trying to, to improve my process as the weeks progress. So I appreciate your patience and I'm grateful to those of you who are continuing to listen to the podcast. It's, it's, fun to see the, that the word is spreading and I'm grateful to those of you who are sharing my work with others. I am putting a lot into these episodes and I'm grateful to, I'm grateful to do it because I'm learning and I'm becoming more like my savior, Jesus Christ by doing it. But I'm also hopeful that something I'm doing is benefiting at least one other person and As always, I've just knelt in prayer and asked that something I say during this podcast episode can benefit at least one person. I hope it does. Now, this, so let's, let's dive into this. Once again, Kingdoms of Glory. It's President Dallin H. Oaks, October 2023 General Conference. This was a very interesting General Conference address because when I, when I heard this address, it reminded me immediately of a talk that he gave in April in the April 2022 General Conference, and that was entitled Divine Love in the Father's Plan. And then additionally, once I started reading the talk, it became clear that much of what he was sharing in, in Kingdoms of Glory, he had also shared in an October 2000 General Conference address entitled The Challenge to Become. This is interesting and it'll, it'll be 
even more interesting in two weeks from now in season two, episode four, when we're discussing President M. Russell Ballard's October 2023 General Conference address because President Ballard did not prepare an address beforehand. He actually stood at the pulpit in front of millions of people and did not have anything prepared because of his vision. And he shared some of that on social media. But so it's kind of interesting that President Oaks is relying heavily on former conference addresses and President Ballard relying on the spirit and what he felt he should share. So, and, and additionally, and I had mentioned this in last week's episode when we discussed President Russell and Nelson's talk, Think Celestial, that Think Celestial and then Kingdoms of Glory, very much, very similar in topic. So, but very different in approach. So, so first, as a reminder, in each episode of General Conference Applied, we are attempting to answer two questions. The first, what is the speaker inviting me to do? And the second, how might I consider taking action? So what is the speaker inviting me to do? So, so as I mentioned, this talk and President Nelson's talks, Think, Think Celestial, are very similar in topic, but very different in delivery. And very much showing those men's personalities. I think President Nelson's talk included invitations, directives, calls to action. President Oaks's talk was much more doctrinally focused. And you can see in the talk outline that I've identified nine gospel doctrines, 14 gospel principles that, that President Oaks kind of touched on or focused on in, in this talk. Straight up doctrine and it was, it was a pleasure to dive into this and I understand more now and I hope that, that you gain some understanding by what I'm about to share here. So I did not identify an explicit invitation in this talk. However, I developed an implicit invitation. Here it is. Choose laws now which align with the kingdom of glory in which you desire to abide. And then there were three directives that I identified. And once again, these directives are, they're, they're not an invitation. It's more a way that we can take action on this invitation. So choosing laws now, which align with the kingdom of glory in which you desire to abide. Here are those three directives. First, and, and he's quoting President Russell and Nelson here. Consider carefully how it works. During this mortal life, you get to choose which laws you are willing to obey, those of the celestial kingdom or the terrestrial or the telestial, and therefore in which kingdom of glory you will live forever. The second directive, President Oaks stated that process, attaining the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, requires far more than acquiring knowledge. It is not even enough to be convinced of the gospel. We must act so that we are converted by it. In contrast to other preaching, which teaches us to know something, the gospel of Jesus Christ challenges us to become something. And then third, because of Jesus Christ and his atonement, when we fall short in this life, we can repent and rejoin the covenant path that leads to what our heavenly father desires for us. Okay, so 
So those are what I've identified as maybe some, some items that we can take action on. So how might we consider taking action? So first, let's focus on that, that invitation that I, that I developed. Choose laws now, which align with the kingdom of glory in which you desire to abide. As I've been preparing this for this podcast episode, I've been asking myself two questions. First, which kingdom of glory do I desire to obtain? And second, are my current choices getting me closer to my desired destination? You might also consider asking yourself these same questions and maybe even writing down your current responses in your journal. Once again, those questions, which kingdom of glory do I desire to obtain? And are my current choices getting me closer to my desired destination? I've, for a long time now, I've been fascinated with the, the story that's captured in 3 Nephi chapter 17. And I've actually, I believe I've shared this in a, in a previous General Conference of Flight episode. But as a reminder, in 3 Nephi chapter 17, so... Our Savior Jesus Christ had come down from heaven, appeared to these Nephites, who were gathered in the land bountiful around the temple. He had instituted the sacrament. The people had all gone forth and touched the wounds in his hands, his feet, and his side. They had knelt down before him. He had called disciples, talked about Baptism delivered basically a sermon similar to the Sermon on the Mount. And it was, it was just a whirlwind of a day. And at this point, the Savior is basically saying, I'm going to leave, but I'll come back. And, and it's interesting how the people respond to this. So this is 3 Nephi chapter 17, it's verses 1 through 8. Behold, now it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, he looked round about again on the multitude, and he said unto them, Behold, my time is at hand. I perceive that ye are weak, that ye cannot understand all my words which I am commanded of the Father to speak unto you at this time. Therefore, go ye unto your homes, and ponder upon the things which I have said, and ask of the Father in my name that ye may understand, and prepare your minds for the morrow, and I come unto you again. But now I go unto the Father, and also to show myself unto the lost tribes of Israel. For they are not lost unto the Father, for he knoweth whither he hath taken them. And it came to pass that when Jesus had thus spoken, he cast his eyes round about again on the multitude, and beheld they were in tears, and did look steadfastly upon him, as if they would ask him to tarry a little longer with them. And he said unto them, unto them Behold, my bowels are filled with compassion towards you, have ye any, any that are sick among you? Bring them hither. Have ye any that are lame, or blind, or halt, or maimed, or leprous, or that are withered, or that are deaf, or that are afflicted in any manner? Bring them hither, and I will heal them. For I have compassion upon you. My bowels are filled with mercy. For I perceive that ye desire that I should show unto you what I have done unto your brethren at Jerusalem. For I see that your faith is sufficient that I should heal you. And, and then, as we know from this account, the people bring forth these individuals. They're healed. He gathers the children around him. Angels come down from heaven. Anyway, tremendous, amazing miracles happen. And 
It's just interesting to me, and, and I've pondered upon this account countless times over these years, that what would have happened had these individuals not have desired Jesus to stay with them? What would have happened? What would they have missed out on? What are we missing out on by not desiring more? What are we missing out on by not desiring more? More teachings, more opportunities to gather with the saints. If I often contemplate how much time I spend doing different things during the week compared to how much time I invest in my study of the gospel. And at times it's discouraging that it seems like my heavenly father and my savior are getting the leftovers instead of me dedicating the time that they deserve. And it would benefit me more than what the other things that I'm choosing. And so as I, as I contemplated this, what does inheriting the celestial kingdom mean? Doesn't it imply that we will then be perpetuating the plan of happiness throughout eternity with our own posterity, basically doing the same thing that our Heavenly Father is doing now? So if we can only handle two hours of church and then nothing else the rest of the week, are we choosing by our actions the celestial kingdom? I don't believe we are. I'm grateful for these words from President Oaks and for the, the questions that I've been contemplating because of what he shared. I think it's very interesting that it really comes down to us. What choices are we going to make today so that we can inherit the kingdom that we want to inherit? It's not as easy as saying, I want to inherit the celestial kingdom and, and I get there, but what choices do I need to make today to become the type of person who lives in that kingdom and ultimately will become like our heavenly father? Okay, so let's let's take this a little bit further. So here's that first directive. And as a side note, so that I mentioned this is a quote from President Russell M. Nelson. And I noted in President Oaks's footnote that this actually comes from a book that that is being released this this year. It hasn't been released yet. If you go to Deseretbook.com, it says it hasn't been released yet. It's President Nelson's book entitled heart of the matter, what 100 years of living have taught me. And so this is a, an insight from, obviously, President Oaks has read President Nelson's book. He got a sneak peek. But here's that quote. President Nelson had said, consider carefully how it works. During this mortal life, you get to choose which laws you are willing to obey. Those of the celestial kingdom or the terrestrial or the telestial and therefore, in which kingdom of glory you will live forever. That's the end of the quote. I thought this was 
This was very interesting. It reminded me of a footnote from President Nelson's talk, Think Celestial, where he, he talks about the importance of this life, that it, it might not be easier once our spirit and our body are no longer together. And, and I, I had mentioned that in the previous podcast episode, but, but so, so what do I think that this directive means? I think this means that first I need to understand the laws, right? So for example, I might go to Doctrine and Covenants section 76. What does a, what did Joseph Smith and Sidney, Sidney Rigdon write about that a person who inherits the celestial kingdom does or, or is the same with the terrestrial and the telestial. And then, how can I structure or organize my life so that I can inherit that kingdom? And so I also found an interesting insight. I'm going to share a couple of verses from Doctrine and Covenants section 76. So these are verses 75 and 79. And this talks about individuals who, who will inherit the terrestrial kingdom. So verse 75, these are they who are honorable men of the earth, who were blinded by the craftiness of men. In verse 79, these are they who are not valiant in the testimony of Jesus, wherefore they obtain not the crown over the kingdom of our God. I'm recording this on Saturday, October 14th, 2023. And today I witnessed an annular solar eclipse where it wasn't a, a full, but I think where I'm at currently in, in uh, Salt Lake County was probably about 85% of the sun was covered. And it's, it's pretty remarkable, those, those eclipses. But my, my eight-year-old son asked Google an interesting question. His question was, if the sun was hollow, how many moons would fit inside it? The answer is approximately 64.3 million moons. And so as I contemplated this, that object, the moon, which is a fraction of the size of the sun, gradually blotted out the sun for, for several hours this morning. And this got me thinking, what small distractions or other things in my life are blotting out the sun, S-O-N, the son of God, and taking me away from the celestial kingdom. Okay, food for thought. Let's move on to directive number two. President Oaks had stated that process attaining the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ requires far more than acquiring knowledge. It is not even enough to be convinced of the gospel. We must act so that we are converted by it. In contrast to other preaching, which teaches us to know something, the gospel of Jesus Christ challenges us to become something. So in my own words, 
Doing is good, but becoming is key. And this, this quote is actually straight out of President Oaks's October 2000 General Conference address. But I, I was able to find some different resources that talk about this, this challenge to become. And I, I wanted to share them. And, and first, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to serve on the High Council well, I, I served on the High Council with two good state presidents, and I learned so much from both of these men. The, the first state president who I served with was a powerful example to me of someone who who embraced who embraced the gospel. And I, I distinctly remember one sacrament meeting he was sharing an insight from at the time it would have been the Enzyme. Now the church magazine is called the Liahona, but from an Enzyme article. And he, he had read the entire magazine, it was my understanding, early in the month. And this is a very busy man professionally and with everything that he had going on with his duties as the state president. And I've, I've been impressed by that for years now of his commitment to also reading church magazines. And this week, I don't know what prompted it, but I looked in the October 2023 Leah and I found two articles that I'm going to share insights from that, that resonated with me, that fit with this topic. One of them is actually from President Oaks that I'll share a little bit later. But this first article, and, and so I guess the reason I'm sharing this is if you aren't already studying church magazines, the Liahona for the Strength of Youth, I would invite you to do so. There are powerful messages in those church magazines each month. But so this is in an October 2023 Liahona article. It was entitled Practice Virtue Continually. The author was Elder Lynn G. Robbins. He's an Emeritus General Authority 70. Here's what he shared. Quote, Virtue is integrity and moral excellence. To practice virtue continually requires steady effort with an inspired to-do list. The verbs be and do are a doctrinal pair. Be without do like faith without works or charity without ministering, is dead, being alone. Likewise, do without be describes those who honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The Savior condemns do without be as hypocrisy. He continues, people often have to-do lists and give themselves a check mark after completing a task on the list. But you can't earn check marks with B. For example, when can you check parenting off your list is done? You're never through being a mother or a father, which is a lifelong effort. We practice each virtue, B, through an inspired to-do list of corresponding actions. If I want to become more loving, what ministering actions can I do today to help me become more loving? If I want to become more patient, what can I do today to improve? 
He concludes, when we are at a moral crossroad in life, we often ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? When we do what he would do, we are practicing virtue and becoming like him. If we go about doing good as he did with each additional good deed, we grow in love and compassion and they become a part of our nature. That's the end of the quote. So doing and being are both important. To become something, we obviously need to do something as well. But I like the, the idea of this inspired to-do list and of that directive that we've talked about, what would Jesus do? The more we talk like our Savior, act like our Savior, do as our Savior, the more we become like him, the closer we get to him. And then I also liked a parable that President Oaks had shared in that October 2000 General Conference Address, which was entitled The Challenge to Become. Here's, here's the powerful parable that he shared. Quote, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a plan that shows us how to become what our Heavenly Father desires us to become. A parable illustrates this understanding. A wealthy father knew that if he were to bestow his wealth upon a child who had not yet developed the needed wisdom and stature, the inheritance would probably be wasted. The father said to his child, All that I have I desire to give you, not only my wealth, but also my position and standing among men. That which I have I can easily give you, but that which I am you must obtain for yourself. You will qualify for your inheritance by learning what I have learned and by living as I have lived. I will give you the laws and principles by which I have acquired my wisdom and stature. Follow my example, mastering as I have mastered, and you will become as I am, and all that I have will be yours. This parable parallels the pattern of heaven. The gospel of Jesus Christ promises the incomparable inheritance of eternal life, the fullness of the Father, and reveals the laws and principles by which it can be obtained. That's the end of the quote. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that sentence. You will qualify for your inheritance by learning what I have learned and by living as I have lived. I've mentioned in previous episodes, I recently completed the book, Things As They Really Are by Elder Neil A. Maxwell. And I, I didn't include the quote here in the show notes, but basically the gist of this quote is he, he, Elder Maxwell talked about that verse in the Doctrine and Covenants where the, the intelligence that we obtain here in this life will go with us into the next life. But he talks about that not all, not all information is equal. He shares the example that a phone number, memorizing phone numbers here, will do him no good in the next life. However, learning to become loving like our Savior Jesus Christ is obviously something that's important to learn here because that's something that we'll utilize uh, in the hereafter. And and I, I just I really I really like that idea that our Heavenly Father has promised us all that he has, but he's not just going to give it to us. He, he knows that it's important for us to 
as he is, as is stated here, learn what he's learned and, and live as he has lived. And, and I also would invite you to contemplate this question. How does our heavenly father live? And I would also, uh, contemplate what we know from modern revelation that we have a mother in heaven. There is a reason that prophets, seers, and revelators have focused for nearly 30 years now on the family and proclamation of the world. And, and President Oaks focused on this in this episode, or in this general conference address as well. But certainly learning to live as our Heavenly Father has lived involves family. It involves family. That's why it's so important, and that's why the proclamation talks about you know, talks about gender and, and the importance of what we learn in family life. It's so important. It's so important. Okay. And then lastly, and, and this is kind of, well, I guess not lastly, but something as well that I wanted to talk about here. And we've discussed this in various episodes. How, how can we measure something like this? How, how can we measure that we're learning what our heavenly father has learned and, and living as he has lived. How can we measure something like that? And in that same talk, the challenge to become president Oak shared this thought. How can we measure our progress? The scriptures suggest various ways. I will mention only two he said after King Benjamin's great sermon, many of his hearers cried out that the spirit of the Lord has wrought a mighty change in us or in our hearts. Do we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually? If we are losing our desire to do evil, we are progressing toward our heavenly goal. The Apostle Paul said that persons who have received the Spirit of God have the mind of Christ. I understand this to mean that persons who are proceeding toward the needed conversion are beginning to see things as our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, see them. They are hearing His voice instead of the voice of the world, and they are doing things in his way instead of by the ways of the world. That's the end of the quote. Powerful ideas for how we can, how we can measure our progress. And then as we've talked about in previous episodes, that's why I like that Christ-like attribute activity and preach my gospel, because it's like Elder Robin said, it's not as easy as just a checkbox, right? You can't just check parenting off your to-do list. But that, that Christ-like attribute activity and these thoughts that President Oaks has shared here give us ideas of ways that we, can, that we can measure our progress. It's important to measure our progress to know if we're actually getting closer, becoming more like our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ. Measuring that progress gives us momentum and it helps us to, to see the progress that we've made. Obviously, being careful not to, as we've talked about in previous episodes, the gap and the gain, not measuring ourselves against the gap, which is the ideal. We, if we compare ourselves to our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ, we'll be disappointed all day long. But if we instead focus on the gain, which is where we used to be and where we are now, and notice how far we've come, that gives us a, a boost of confidence and momentum to know that we can continue on uh, on this path. And lastly, and, and this is going to lead into some of the other things that we're going to talk about 
in the October 10th, 2023 Church News podcast episode. The, the guest was Rabbi Joseph Charns, and he's a friend of the Church of Jesus Christ. And he, on this episode, he shared some powerful thoughts. He has attended General Conference a couple of times. He attended the October 2023 General Conference. And at approximately the 34-minute and 35-second mark in this episode, Rabbi Charns stated the following. The Hebrew word for commandment, one of the words, we have many, one of the Hebrew words for commandment, and, and he says also according to the rabbis, it's very creative but semi-legitimate etymological link. The word command and the word to connect are the same root because the way we connect to the divine is through the commandment. And that's the end of the quote. And so my takeaway is the more we seek to understand and obey our Heavenly Father's commandments, the more connected we become with him. As we obey commandments, we learn what our Heavenly Father has learned, and we live as our Heavenly Father has lived. Our Heavenly Father is in the position in which he's in because he did exactly what President Nelson and President Oaks are inviting us to do. He observed divine laws, he took action, and he lived them. That's how Heavenly Father is in the position he's in. He's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done himself and doesn't continue to do himself. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that wonderful example. Finally, the third directive is because of Jesus Christ and his atonement, when we fall short in this life, we can repent and rejoin the covenant path that leads to what our Heavenly Father desires for us. We can repent. We can be forgiven. We can return to the covenant path. Our Heavenly Father and our Savior are beckoning to us, inviting us to come. In the challenge to become, President Oaks had shared some interesting commentary on the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. Here's what he shared. As you remember, the owner of the vineyard hired laborers at different times of the day. Some he sent into the vineyard early in the morning, others about the third hour, and others in the sixth and the ninth hours. Finally, in the eleventh hour, he sent others into the vineyard, promising that he would also pay them whatsoever is right. At the end of the day, the owner of the vineyard gave the same wage to every worker, even to those who had come in the eleventh hour. When those who had worked the entire day saw this, they murmured against the good man of the house. The owner did not yield, but merely pointed out that he had done no one any wrong since he had paid each man the agreed amount. President Oaks continues, like other parables, this one can teach several different and valuable principles. For present purposes, its lesson is that the master's reward and the final judgment will not be based on how long we have labored in the vineyard. We do not obtain our heavenly reward by punching a time clock. What is essential is that our labors in the workplace of the Lord have caused us to become something. For some of us, this requires a longer time than for others. What is important in the end is what we have become by our labors. Many who come in the eleventh hour have been refined and prepared by the Lord in ways other than formal employment in the vineyard. These workers are like the prepared dry mix to which it is only necessary to add water. The perfecting ordinance of baptism and the gift of the Holy Ghost. With that addition, even in the eleventh hour, 
These workers are in the same state of development and qualified to receive the same reward as those who have labored long in the vineyard. This parable teaches us that we should never give up hope and loving associations with family members and friends whose fine qualities evidence their progress toward what a loving father would have them become. Similarly, the power of the atonement and the principle of repentance show that we should never give up on loved ones who now seem to be making many wrong choices. He concludes, instead of being judgmental about others, we should be concerned about ourselves. We must not give up hope. We must not, we must not stop striving. We are children of God, and it is possible for us to become what our Heavenly Father would have us become. And that's the end of the quote. I think that's powerful. It's a powerful idea, powerful application of that of that parable. It doesn't really matter how others are rewarded. And 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 it may be at first light when he says, instead of being judgmental about others, we should be concerned about ourselves. Well, aren't we supposed to focus on others and serve others? Well, sure we are. But I like that idea. We should be concerned about ourselves. At the end of the day, we can't make others' decisions. I can create an environment and cultivate an environment of gospel learning for my children. But at the end of the day, they are going to make their choices. And that's the pattern that our Heavenly Father has provided for us. He he has created all things for us. All things point to Him, are, are remind us of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's very clear that for people to, to understand that, but that doesn't stop people from choosing to ignore or disregard our Heavenly Father, our Savior, their church, their prophet, and ultimately their commandments. But our Heavenly Father is, has made it possible and is preparing people. And, and that's a testimony to me as well. I like what President Oaks shared there, that just because people aren't already members of the Church of Jesus Christ, they are being prepared in special ways that eventually will will come to fruition. I like this promise that President Oaks shared in his April 2022 General Conference Address, Divine Love and the Father's Plan. He said, God's plan assures that in the long run, the faithful who keep their covenants will have the opportunity to qualify for every promised blessing. Each one of us is going to probably break if not covenants, but break commandments from time to time and require repentance and forgiveness. But our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ offer that to us. I'm grateful for that. So so ultimately, what do I want to discuss here? And it's clear to me that this topic is on the minds of the leaders of the church. And we, we haven't talked about it, and we're not going to right now, but Elder Uchtdorf has shared messages on the new For the Strength of Youth pamphlet and the, you know, the, the well, and I guess, well, I won't dive into that, but with the For the Strength of Youth pamphlet, the 
it's not so much laying out exactly what should be done. It's more principle focused. And ultimately, I'm gathering that leaders of the church are inviting us to take a look at our choices. What are we choosing? And I'll admit, President Oaks, he, he speaks firmly. So, for example, here's the most important quote that I identified from his talk. He said, through Revelation, God has revealed the eternal laws, ordinances, and covenants that must be observed to develop the godly attributes necessary to realize this divine potential. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints focuses on these because the purpose of this restored church is to prepare God's children for salvation in the celestial glory and, more particularly, for exaltation in its highest degree. God's plan, founded on eternal truth, requires that exaltation can be attained only through faithfulness to the covenants of an eternal marriage between a man and a woman in the holy temple, which marriage will ultimately be available to all the faithful. That is why we teach that gender is an essential characteristic of individual premortal mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. And that's the end of the quote. So as I said, he he speaks firmly and and he doesn't back down. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And there's much in this talk that the world doesn't embrace. And so I felt it would be important to hear This is what I was inspired to share to conclude this episode. I'm going to share a few quotes about the importance of prophets and ongoing revelation. I I don't do this usually, but I happened to browse through some of the comments on President Oaks' social media posts uh, from this conference talk. And first, I want to talk about primary questions. This comes from a BYU speech. It was delivered by Elder Lawrence E. Corbridge on January 22nd, 2019. Elder Corbridge was a member of the 70 at the time. The speech was entitled Stand Forever. And basically Elder Corbridge shared how part of his assignment as a 70, he he had to study all of the anti-Church of Jesus Christ material and he he basically after having to go through that and finally moving on to a new assignment he never went back to that material and he basically wrote a rebuttal and that much of what he had written he shared in this in this BYU speech but let me share a quote from that speech he says there are primary questions and there are secondary questions Answer the primary questions first. Not all questions are equal and not all truths are equal. The primary questions are the most important. Everything else is subordinate. There are only a few primary questions. I will mention four of them. First, is there a God who is our Father? Second, is Jesus Christ the Son of God, the Savior of the world? Third, was Joseph Smith a prophet? Fourth, Is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints the kingdom of God on the earth? He continues, by contrast, the secondary secondary questions are unending. They include questions about church history, polygamy, 
people of African descent in the priesthood, women in the priesthood, how the Book of Mormon was translated, the Pearl of Great Price, DNA in the Book of Mormon, gay marriage, the different accounts of the first vision, and on and on. If you answer the primary questions, the secondary questions get answered too, or they pale in significance, and you can deal with things you understand, and things you don't, and things you agree with, and things you don't, without jumping ship altogether. That's the end of the quote. And why do I want to share this? Because I felt, as I looked through those comments, that the primary questions were being ignored. Now, I understand that, that each one of us has different circumstances, different experiences. I understand that. And personally, I can't relate to much of what, not to mention just members of the church, but, but anybody else is relating to. I, I can't. Obviously, our Savior and our Heavenly Father can. But one of, one of the gifts of the Spirit that I feel that I've been blessed with is a testimony of God's prophets and apostles. I testify that we are led by prophets, seers, and revelators. I've felt that time and time and time again. There's a reason that I'm recording this at 2 in the morning. I don't have to be doing this, but I, I feel strongly that something that, that I want to sustain prophets, seers, and revelators and what they're doing and what they're sharing as I, as I contemplated what I might share, these primary questions came to mind. Is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the kingdom of God on the earth? Was Joseph Smith a prophet? Those are important questions. I know that the answer to those questions is yes. I also know that the church is led by prophets, seers, and revelators today. I don't understand all things. And like Elder Corbridge says here, there, those secondary questions are unending. unending and, and I hope to understand more of, of that. And, and I know that eventually, probably in the, in the next life, that we will understand, we will understand all things. And I look forward to that. But personally, I rely upon the fact that prophets, seers, and revelators are guiding the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I sustain them. I sustain what they are sharing in this message. Okay, let's share a couple more quotes about prophets and then wrap up this episode. So this was in a BYU speech entitled The Love and Laws of God. President Russell M. Nelson shared this on September 17, 2019. Sometimes we, as leaders of the church, are criticized for holding firm to the laws of God, defending the Savior's doctrine, and resisting the social pressures of our day. But our commission as ordained apostles is to go into all the world to preach his gospel unto every creature. That means we are commanded to teach truth. In doing so, sometimes we are accused of being uncaring as we teach the Father's requirements for exaltation in the celestial kingdom. 
wouldn't it be far more uncaring for us not to tell the truth, not to teach what God has revealed? It is precisely because we do care deeply about all of God's children that we proclaim his truth. We may not always tell people what they want to hear. Prophets are rarely popular, but we will always teach the truth. He says, my dear young friends, exaltation is not easy. Requirements include a focused and persistent effort to keep God's laws, rigorously repenting when we don't. But the reward for doing so is far greater than anything we can imagine because it brings us joy here and never-ending happiness hereafter. Thus, our commission as apostles is to teach nothing but truth. That commission does not give us the authority to modify divine law. That's the end of the quote. In an October 2023 Leah Hona article entitled The Sure Witness of Modern Prophets, President Oaks wrote, As the Bible declares the true church of Jesus Christ is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I experienced an application of that fundamental principle of the restored gospel many years ago. He says a member of the church brought her neighbor to my office. The neighbor's husband was a Protestant minister with a large congregation. For many years, this couple had served the Lord with great diligence in their Christian ministry. He had baptized many people into that church. Now, through the influence of his Latter-day Saint neighbors, he had read the Book of Mormon and was converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He was ready to resign his ministry and join the restored church, but first, he and his wife needed an answer to their question regarding priesthood authority. Reminding me that her husband had baptized many people, his wife asked, Are you telling me that my husband didn't have any authority to baptize all the people that he baptized? The Spirit prompted my answer, as it will in these situations. No, I said, I'm sure your husband had authority to baptize all the people that he baptized. He had all the authority that his church could give him. He could perform marriages. He could make people members of the congregation. He could hire a contractor to put a new roof on your church. That isn't the kind of authority we're discussing. The authority in your question is the authority that Jesus gave to Peter, that whosoever, that whatsoever he did on earth would be honored in heaven. And because that divine authority must be traceable to apostles, it exists only in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that's the end of the quote. And finally, I want to share a quote from the April 2023 General Conference. There was a talk entitled, A Living Prophet for the Latter Days. This was Elder Alan D. Haney. And, and as a side note, Elder Haney delivered this week's October 10, 2023 BYU speech. It was entitled, Meeting Jesus in the House of the Lord. Fantastic speech, and I'll be sharing more about it in this season. But here's the quote from Elder Haney from April 2023. It says, Knowing by revelation that there is a living prophet on the earth changes everything. It causes one to be uninterested in the debate about when is a prophet speaking as a prophet or whether one is ever justified in selective rejection of prophetic counsel. Such revealed knowledge invites one to trust the counsel of a living prophet, even if we do not fully understand it. After all, a perfect and loving Father in heaven has chosen the pattern of, of revealing truth to his children through a prophet, someone who never sought such a sacred calling and who has no need of our help to be aware of his own imperfections. A prophet is someone God has personally prepared, called, corrected, inspired, rebuked, sanctified, and sustained. 
That is why we are never spiritually at risk in following prophetic counsel. Okay. I, as I've mentioned, I, I feel, I felt this desire to, to share those quotes, share those thoughts that, that I sustain President Oaks. And I know that laws, commandments are given to us by a loving Heavenly Father because he loves us. Those laws and commandments help us to become like him, to learn what he has learned and to live as he has lived. I'm grateful for that challenge, for that opportunity, and I look forward to continuing to strive to do that to focus on the choices that I'm making and ultimately determining where I want to end up. It's not as easy as, as just saying, oh, I want to be there. It's structuring my life in such a way that I become, I become each and every day more like them. And as mentioned in previous episodes, there's, I've, I think it's important to, to take action on something. So if it's something I, I shared with you today, perhaps a resource you want to look up or continue, continue on. I know that I've been working on the Christ-like attributes activity, and that's something I'm going to continue working on and working with my accountability partner to, to strive to become more like my Savior each day. But I want to bear testimony of prophets. I know that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is led by a living prophet today. I sustain President Nelson as the Lord's prophet. And even if I don't understand all that I'm invited to do, I am striving to take action on what he's inviting me to do. I bear testimony that our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he's allowed us to live this life walking in faith. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that he hasn't just spoon-fed everything to us. I know that there's a reason for our existence here that it's helping us to strive to become more like him. I know that he lives, that he's our loving father, and he desires for each one of us to return to his presence. I testify of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that he lives. I know that he's our Savior, he has the power to help us overcome the challenges that we face in life. I testify that families can be eternal. That's the reason that my goals, my, my focus is on the celestial kingdom, because I love my family so much that I want to be with them for eternity. That's only possible in the celestial kingdom. And so that's, that's why I need to get to work and to focus on on the choices that I'm making, are they allowing me to abide a celestial glory? And I testify of these things. I know that the things that these quotes and such that I've shared from prophets, seers, and revelators are true. I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you again for joining me. We will be discussing President Henry B. Eyring's talk in this the, the upcoming episode. I would invite you to, to subscribe to the podcast, to share it with others, to find ways to take action on something that you've heard today. Thanks, and I'll talk to you soon.